Hello, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and this week I'm recommending a 2017 documentary. And I'm Tara Scott. I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week I am recommending a graphic novel. As always, we just want to take a moment to thank everybody who's supporting the show, whether you're contributing to our coffee, signing up for the newsletter. We do have links to both in the show notes. Thank you again for everyone who's reviewed or rated on the podcast apps. And if you haven't told a friend yet and you think somebody does need more of these how to find the good queer media, just tell them all about it. Chris, there's been great news. Yay. I like great news. (laughs) I know, right? So for those who listen pretty regularly, you already know if it's been a little while and you're tuning in again, we have stopped promoting anything under the strikes that have been happening in Hollywood, which basically means anything that is scripted that has been made since 1960 or whatever it was the last time (laughs) SAG-AFTRA struck. But the WGA came to an agreement. So as of, we're recording this on Sunday, October 1st. So as of this time, WGA hasn't voted on it yet, but it's pretty exciting with writers getting things like pay raises, minimum staffing numbers on writing rooms, which is huge because some of the companies have been trying to get smaller and smaller writing rooms on Mm. TV shows. There's a some things around residuals and even limits around how AI can be used. So good. Kudos to everyone on that negotiating team who fought so hard to bring these protections in. And I think with the AI stuff in particular is quite exciting. I think it would have been great if it had been even stricter, but considering who the writers were negotiating with. I think the what they got was still pretty fantastic. I can't remember all of it offhand, but it does mean things like, you know, a writer isn't just going to be handed some script that, you know, chat GPT barfed out and told, <laughs> fix the hallucinations, fix the plot holes. Like, that's not going to be possible. Do you have any thoughts on what this could mean for authors? So I have a lot of thoughts about well, how do I want to say this? I have a lot of thoughts about AI. Mm-hmm. We'll start there. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about how it is going to um, hit our industry. And if they're going to be, if AI or whoever's going to be promoting or writing under AI, like what that's going to do, because so there are so many self-published writers out there. And how are we going to know what's AI and what's not? I mean, literally, that mm-hmm. is a question I have for you. Like, how, how are we going to know? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know a lot about it. I just know it's it's exploded. It has exploded. And I will say this. I sell on eBay, and now there is a button I can click, and it says, would you like AI to do the full description of your mm-hmm. uh, thing that you're selling? And I hit it, and it goes into great detail about like, cause I'm selling football cards and I do other mm-hmm. stuff too, but so, and it like gives you like several, you know, paragraphs of information about this particular item that I don't have to go out and look for. So yeah. it is, it is, uh, you know, it is a, I don't know what to do with AI. 
It has yeah. made my job easier on eBay if I use it. I normally don't because I always like to put something fun in the descriptions that isn't AI generated. But also, I mean, people can just list and it just it blows my mind. Like this all of a sudden just came up. Like just it's now a button and you can hit it. And so many people, I'm sure, who aren't writers are just like, oh, this is going to make my job a whole lot easier and faster on, mm -hmm. on eBay. So, you know, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. They're not really good feelings. Yeah, that I think makes a ton of sense. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on it, too, because, you know, I think we've been we've been pretty honest on the podcast about the fact that we have day jobs. Um, <laughs> we need things like health care benefits and exactly paying our mortgage. <laughs> And I work in like my day job is in a particular subspecialty of marketing, but like all over marketing, it's just tons of people that do this with AI, do this with AI. And I'm mm. trying to keep more of like a wait and see attitude about it. I've tried to use chat GPT here and there. I've tried to use it to say like summarize a call that I had with a client and it was mm garbage actually no i tried <laughs> to use the ai that was built into notion for that because i heard another person who does the kind of marketing that i do say oh it's amazing for this and it's like yeah if you want the most surface level report of mm -hmm. a call sure go for it but if you want like the good details it's not great for that i tried using it to like oh can you give me and the thing that i found and maybe my bias is that I began my career as a copywriter. I don't know <laughs> if I ever told you that, but I was a copywriter for like seven years before I did anything. Were you? Mm -hmm. I was a copy editor out of college. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I do have a bit of a bias when it comes to writing anyway, just because of that. And like, to be good at a lot of types of marketing, you have to be a good writer. And so I would have it try to like, okay, can you just give me a draft and then I can work with that? Nope. And it sucked. Like what I got back was not good. But I went for dinner recently with some of my former colleagues. And one of them, she also went on to another company. And I said, are you using it for anything? And she said, what she's doing is she makes a shitty draft and then puts it in chat GPT <laughs> and has it fixed it up. And I was like, ooh, this oh, is interesting. Right. I might, I might try that to see if it's like a time saving thing. But I don't know. She was talking about working at a company where they sell software that can be used for building courses. So like, Chris, if you, for example, if you said, I'm going to build a course and I'm going to charge people 500 bucks. And when they take my course, they're going to know how to write a novel. So mm -hmm. it's you kind of distilling all your stuff. So you could do that. And they've built it in now. So you can go and when you sign up for it, you can say, this is what I'm going to do. And they will basically pre-populate a first draft. Wow. for you of the content and that was when i started to get a little spooked it's like right yeah, i don't think we're getting away great. from this i don't think we're getting away from no, this we're not at all i think a big revelation for me too that's happening at the same time was one of my very favorite podcasts is called if books could kill um <laughs> i don't know if we've talked about that one before i don't think so but we have talked about maintenance phase so michael hobbs from maintenance phase does this other podcast if books could kill with his friend peter peter is a lawyer and it's basically what are the big they call them airport books like what are the books that mm. are so big that you will find them in any airport kind of so it was you know like the secret 
you know, the five love languages, Freakonomics, like these kinds of, and the most recent one they did was the four hour work week, which I had never read, but have you heard about it? No, I haven't, but. Oh, wow. Okay. It's like, it was a huge, huge, huge book. It's by Tim Ferriss. It took the business world by storm because <laughs> the thing that he says though, like what it really comes down to isn't you know, you work four hours a week and then you have leisure the rest of the time. It's about trying to like productivity hack all mm. of your time or something like that. But one of his things in there is like, if you want to find a way to like build audience and make money for yourself, you need to become an expert in something, but you don't actually have to become an expert. You just have to know enough so that you can talk about it so that people trust you and think you're an expert. Mm. Which when Peter and Michael were talking about that, it's like, oh, yeah, no wonder why we've gotten to this world where everybody is an expert in something and follow them and buy their <laughs> stuff. And it's like, oh, shit. Now we're adding AI on top of that. Mm. It's like we're throwing steroids on, on the whole fake expert situation. So, yeah, I, I am kind of nervous about it. But mm -hmm. I also I think the reason why I'm not like full on panicking about AI is there's a certain point at which they're going to run out of material to train these different models, right? Like even OpenAI, who does ChatGPT, like they're constantly looking for sources of how, what can we train it on now? We need to keep training on it. But so much of the content that's making its way to the internet right now is also being created by these AI learning models. <laughs> and I'm probably saying some of the terminology a little bit wrong, but you know, like so much of the, with some even media sites choosing to, we used chat GPT to write this article and it was cleaned up by a human and whatever. And so there might be a point at which for a while, the internet gets much shittier because mm -hmm. it's going to be all this content that was created, not by humans that's being put there. But as the models start training on content that was created by AI, they might just, it might be like the snake that eats its own tail. Like they or might it could explode and gobble up everything. Else. I mean, Skynet, did we not learn anything from Terminator? Well, see, that's the thing is Come also, on. also the people that are saying, no, this could kill all of humanity are the people who created <laughs> the problem in the first place. And they're saying, no, we need to legislate it. Let's, let us tell you how we should legislate it. Mm -hmm. Oh, politicians. And it's like, guys, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. If anyone is actually scared about Skynet, like, Go read what Emily Bender has had to say about it. Go follow, I think her name is Tim McGebru. Emily Bender is the one who talked about it as like stochastic parrots. There was the big article that she did. But these things aren't smart. They don't have a consciousness. They're like, right. her point is they're like parrots. Like chat GPT mm -hmm. is the world's best. Which word should I choose next? Generator. It doesn't mean it's thinking, even if it feels like it, if you're having a conversation with it, it's still just predicting the next best word to use, which is how you end up with some of the fuck ups, which they're calling hallucinations, things that are completely untrue and how you end up with like that lawyer who got in trouble because he used chat GPT to try to like write some legal documents. And yeah, like there are some good people to follow about that when it comes to the like to go back all the way back to what you were saying, though, about novels like what does it mean for fiction mm -hmm. i think that's where ultimately i actually have some of the most hope because 
you can't truly fake a voice. It comes across as hollow. So you can, you can absolutely say, ChatGPT, write me a poem in the style of Edgar Allan Poe. And, you know, some of these really, really, really well-trained models can absolutely fake the voice of some author. But to say, come up with something new, I don't think they can do that. Yeah, but that's, that's the here what, and now. Well, I mean, computer chips like, and cars. Like sure. 30 years ago, they, they didn't exist, you know, but now. Yeah, that's not really. See, I think the difference there, though, is that, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's almost like you need a soul to mm -hmm. be able to bring that individual <laughs> voice as a writer, right? And AI is never going to have that. And Unless they people... steal ours. <laughs> well, good luck. You're not going down without a fight. <laughs> right. But I, ju I just think that. People follow unique voices in fiction much True. more than that's been anyway, my experience as a critic and in, in talking to other kind of other critics and other readers and spending time in reader spaces. Yes, we love tropes and a trope might get us to pick up one book, but it won't get us to pick up a second book. If the book, if that first one we pick up is shitty, if we find that that author can't write, if it's poorly edited, if there's you know, just these major plotting issues or character mm -hmm. issues or whatever it is. So I think we might see, yeah, there might be a lot of people who would show up to read one book because they're curious. Mm -hmm. But if they find it's not bringing anything special or new, how do you get to that special? I guess. I think there I'm are wondering. some people who just read to read because they want the content. They don't care like how poorly it was written or created they want that content they they need like i need more of you know ceo and nannies i need more hookups like that and like they can get these are the same people who like go to the dark web to get free books to get whatever whatever i feel like there's just this need to read more and more and more of what they want and sometimes they don't care what the quality is they just want that it's it's kind of like the same people who want the 300,000 word books for 99 cents on Kindle instead of, you know, paying the 75,000 words on like just like through a publishing company. I feel like they don't care about, well, I say they don't care about the quantity or the quality. I think some of them don't really care. They just want to read, 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 read. And I feel well, like yeah. AI not... will, will take that. I mean, I love my, my readers. Like they are true <laughs> fans of, the writing style that I have, but also there are some people out there that, that just want to read, 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 you know, and, you know, I can't I mean, combat that. Maybe, but at the same time, if those are people who aren't paying for your book anyway, yeah, those are people right. who, if we look at it from an economic standpoint, those people aren't actually customers of publishing companies. Right. So they may not actually end up winning out what they what they might do instead is say hey chat gbt <laughs> i want to see a book where a pastry chef falls in love with an astronaut can you tell are me you giving that, away my latest book <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry i meant to keep it i meant to keep it quiet so love I know, out I of mean, this world maybe you're right i'm hopeful that i might be right only because if people aren't following authors, I think there are more people that follow authors than there are people who will read 
literally any old piece of garbage that pay for books that right. that part that, that part that oh, part is sure. important the paying for, sure. for books yes. part is an important part of that equation so um yes yeah anyway congrats okay. to the wgea members we hope your vote goes well and we hope that sag also comes to their own agreement soon so we're continuing to not promote scripted things until they get theirs as well but we can't wait to catch y'all up on everything. I feel like we almost need to do our like what I watched on my summer vacation report. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for now, what have you been reading or watching? Okay, so Alone Australia, mm-hmm. it's like it skips a week. So it was on and I was like, yay, it's on. And then the next, this past week, it was not on. So oh. like... <sighs> It's still like it's still a shitty environment. Uh, I think people are dropping like flies. And I bet you that's probably why they're stretching it out is because like the whole Mm. season is probably like 27 minutes and they have to break (laughs) it down into, you know, eight episodes because it is just awful. And I I can't imagine that they would have another alone Australia ever again. Are they seeing like the the spiders as big as our face? Because that no, would be, I'd yeah. see one of those and I'd be like, goodbye. Like no. the only thing that lives in like the, it's, it's all, it's just a sweaty place. It's moist. It's a moist place there. I got to use moist. It is, is, there, um, is there food for them there? So that's just it. They have to like. There might be, I don't even know that there are berries in this one. Usually, you know, they can go by with berries, but they're trying to catch like fish with three eyes and eels and Jesus Christ. like it is not these people. Basically, I need to go on a loan because that's how my diet's going to go down. It has to be an alone diet for it to work. But no, I, I don't know what the, like some people haven't had anything to eat in days, like 10 days. No. So I'm just like, how? What do you eat? There's nothing there. It's all swampy. Everything is it's like a bog. It's like real wet everywhere. And the the water is like stagnant. It's just awful. Like I wouldn't want to eat anything out of there. Is, like there's no way. Is there drinkable water? No, they have to, you know, heat it and stuff like this. And this one guy, like they try to catch it. Some people are trying to catch the water with their tarp, mm-hmm. you know, and so mm-hmm. that's one way to get fresh water. And this one guy doesn't even, he doesn't, he hasn't even, he hasn't had a fire. He mm-hmm. didn't pick a flint as his one of, you know, they get 10 items. He did not pick flint. He's like, I won't, I won't need fire, like to stay warm or to process water. He's like, I don't need that for that. I can't remember if he's one of the ones that's out yet or not. Maybe not. Oh man. But if not, he's going to die. He's going to be like the guy in the first season that had to go home because he started hallucinating. (laughs) Yeah. Either that or, yeah. I mean, like I said, this whole thing is probably 27 minutes and we're just seeing bits and pieces of every location. I mean, uh, like last week, there was somebody on and I'm like, who is this person? Like, I don't even remember seeing this person. But then again, it's been so freaking long between episodes that mm. I'm forgetting who these people are. But I'm staying because there are still two women. That's exciting. Yes. Yes. That's exciting. I before we started recording, I told you I sort of stalled out on, on season two, not mm-hmm. because I don't like it, but because I switched back to something that I'll talk about in my what I'm watching section. But there's one woman left. Uh, and I'm like, oh, uh, but also <laughs> she has MS. So there is a part of me that's like, oh, yeah, you don't have medication with you. Yeah, that's uh, are you going to okay. be able to 
she was the one who's like she's she's naturally treating it with like herbs and stuff which like fair enough if it's working it seems like she's in incredible shape but like does the very tip of vancouver island have the herbs that she needs (laughs) probably not i'm get. i don't know i can't say because i a don't remember because it's been a while I know it's long over, but I worry. And a couple of the guys are so skinny that like, yes. I'm starting to like, I know that it's all over and I can, there will be an article I can look up for where are they mm-hmm. now, but I still worry. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, like, they're not okay. So. Yeah. And they'll pull, they'll pull them for health reasons. Like they'll oh, go. They? And, yeah. Okay, yes. Good. So they do med checks and they will have them stand on a scale to see where they are and they say oh this person has lost 34 percent of their overall weight oh and so they actually go they to pull them, them yeah to do they the, go the to med- them right to do oh. the med checks and if they don't tap out then they're like some people are like very upset for getting pulled from the game because they've mm. just lost way too much yeah. you know at that point you're you're living off of adrenaline you're not living off of the land or anything because you're super thin because you've lost so much weight Uh, and that's why people have gained people like i see these people who get on and they're like you know 110 pound you know woman from i mean yeah no you're out like you won't last like they think that they can last and they can't like if you have nothing Mm -hmm. to lose if you have no body fat to lose you're not gonna last on the show you just won't i felt so bad for the woman so this is the season where the one woman she had to go because she cut her hand with her axe oh yeah but also, I don't know how long she would have lasted being it. She's exactly kind of what you described, like that right. tall, thin, like I'm sure she's very strong. But right. th- there was also a part of me that was, I think I texted this to you because she has, I'm trying to remember how old her oldest daughter is. She was like three or four at the time. I think she's maybe four, which, okay, fine. But also a baby that was mm. clearly like under one. And she's like, yeah, my mom's going to watch them. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and i was trying really hard not to judge like i don't think i do judge but i don't understand right. like i sort of understand like let's go after five hundred thousand dollars but like also when your baby's not even one like that's that's when you're doing that big bonding mm-hmm. with your baby and maybe it was a case where like nine thousand people sign up for it and yeah it was a lottery type thing and it's like it's either now or never type thing yeah. and i mean i get that part too but especially it's, I, it's hard i get it's well, hard this season seemed to be the first i don't know how aware the first season was but this season they were very clearly aware of the five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars yeah so i suppose when you're a single mom raising a baby and a kid you're gonna want that money yeah see so here it is so i'm this is another thing i'm watching mm-hmm. um survivor started just started i watched the season opener oh, yeah. and everybody so here's how it works in survivor like even if you're the first person voted out you still get a minimum amount of money it's i think it's like twenty five hundred dollars oh all the cool. way up to like you know five hundred thousand and it's div- and and does it ramp person, like for yeah, each it ramps like if- up yes Ooh. yeah okay so, but that's not how it does that's not how how alone works no it's either all or nothing it's like you you fight this through i just want to tell these people just go on survivor if if you're if you're yeah. looking to make money and you want to do this, like Survivor is so tame compared to Alone. <laughs> so yes. it's so ridiculous. Like it's so at first I thought, oh, Survivor, this is cool. And then you watch Alone, you're like, okay, yeah, no, that's that's a whole different level of of survival. 
So, oh, speaking of survival, let me tell you something cool that happened real quick. Okay. This is just like off the cuff. Sorry. I'm like, yeah. Debbie and I went kayaking yesterday at the lake because mm-hmm. it's nice here. It's freaking 92 degrees and it's October 1st. What? So we went kayaking and I caught a fish with my bare hand. Woo! You, I'm going to send you a picture of it right now. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. This is amazing. So Aww. I know like a little tiny fish. How'd you, did you put it back or did you keep it? Oh no, I put it back. Yeah. I, t- I told Debbie, hurry up, take the picture so I can put it back. <laughs> hurry Aww. up, hurry up. A little tiny fish. Yeah, a little fish. It's funny. I'm like swimming around in circles. I'm like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you because it like was kind of swimming where I could see it. And I'm like, I kept like doing circles. I'm like going crazy trying to get this fish. And Debbie's off yonder taking pictures of like blue herons and like things flying over mm-hmm. the lake. And I'm like struggling trying to catch this itty bitty little fish so <laughs> with cute. my hands. So I'm watching Survivor. And I will say like Survivor is very queer. Like, it used mm-hmm. to not be. I mean, I think it always has been. And it just was never... Wasn't the first um, winner gay, but not out at the time? Yes, yes. I feel like, yeah, Richard Hatch. The one um, season I watched. <laughs> which was horrible. That was like the worst season ever. I think the first season of any survival show is bad. Because nobody knows what to expect. Uh, yeah. They think they do, but they don't. So anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, Oh, yeah. So a lot of queer people... On pretty much all of the seasons, just not necessarily out, but definitely identifiable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as we progress, I think this is season 45 of Survivor. Good and Lord. I think that they're a lot more comfortable coming out. And and so I think that it's just a matter of time before we see more like people coming out on this, this season. Mm-hmm. So I know for sure there's one for sure. Like bet my life on it. Okay. And I'm still watching football. I'm Yay. still watching football. That is my thing. And my team is doing okay. Uh, they they don't have the best record, but they're first in, in our division. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, I'm still hot and heavy with the football cards. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm participating in a lot of the TikTok breaks. I don't know if you've seen any of those on. I anyway, they do TikTok breaks. I know. <laughs> so, so people like, quote unquote, companies, they open up football cards. Like they have like a pack of cards and you pick your team. You pay like 20 bucks for your team. And so it has all the teams and then you get all the cards for your team in that pack. So I do a lot of TikTok breaks. And uh, so then I get all like my chiefs or whatever. And um, so if you're into that, uh, I follow 208 sports cards. So they're there anyway. So it's a long story, but I've been doing that and I've been putting things on eBay because also Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey is our. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Travis Kelsey is, is right. Travis Kelsey is our tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he but. has been here forever. Everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Taylor Swift came to the game last weekend because okay. she is quote unquote dating him. Oh, okay. so and it's funny because they call him; they don't call him Travis Kelsey anymore. He's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. So I get to put my football cards on as Taylor Swift's boyfriend on my eBay store. And uh, so that's kind of fun. And AI can't write that shit for me. So I write that stuff. So that's they a lot cannot, of fun. <laughs> not if you're trying to attract the Swifties. Right. I am trying to attract the Swifties. He's like, his jersey sales went up like 400%. Like Taylor Whoa. Swift came in here and like, like they never. So in football games here in the United States, uh, football games, what they do is like during commercial breaks, they'll show like bits and pieces of the city. They'll show like statues and like fountains and Kansas City's really pretty. I will say that we have a very pretty town 
And so none of it. They all went to Taylor Swift every time there was a commercial break. They do the 10 second snip of like Taylor, like taking a drink or, you know, chest muffing somebody or whatever. And that was like a big deal last week was she was here in town. And mm. yeah. So anyway, that is uh, kind of what, what's been going on in my life. Uh, what about you? What uh, what are you reading, watching, eating, whatever what are we're the doing? Things? What, what are, are the things? things? So... A new drag race UK has started. I'm not sure if it's yet. It's too soon to tell. There's mm-hmm. only been one episode. Uh, there's some queens that look pretty good. There's some that I have questions about. Oh, but it turns oh. out I was trying to look up something related to the. Oh, I know what I was trying to look up. So I noticed something that I've never seen in any season of any of the drag races before, which is that like anytime there was some kind of a product being used, which Let's be honest, if we're oh, talking about uh-huh. drag queens, it's mostly makeup products right? or products they use to remove their makeup. <laughs> but there was like black electrical tape over any brand names. So you could see, say it's a makeup palette and the palette is called like hot glam. I'm making that up. There's none called that. But it like, so hot glam would be left alone. But say it came from a company like Anastasia Beverly Hills, that would be blocked out. Hmm. And I was like, what? And there was even one who was using Uh, olive oil to take her makeup off, which I don't think I've seen on the show before. But like the bottle was wrapped except where it said extra virgin olive oil. And I was like, what is up with that? Is this like a BBC thing? Yeah. So I tried to look that up and I found nothing. But what I did find was people on Reddit talking about how there was supposed to have been another queen this season who was edited out. (gasps) Oh. Because of sexual assault allegations, which is not good, of course. And there was, so I think it was season 12 of the regular US one where somebody who got like very far in the competition before, I can't remember if it was specifically sexual assault and grooming or Mm, just like trying, yeah. So, which... I even hesitate to say because, of course, like the groomer language and the way it's being used against queer people in general and drag queens Mm -hmm. in specific. But I mean, if some one individual person has done something bad, we should it should be okay to talk about it. And um, so with that particular contestant, it showed up too late for them to edit her out. So what they tried to do was just kind of reduce the prominence and then disqualify from being able to be in the finale. But in this case, I couldn't really tell. It's not evident that there was an 11th one there. But I will say that towards the end, it was edited very weirdly Oh, in the untucked section. Like the way the shots move and how people are within frame is so weird that I kind of think there might be something to the rumors. Oh, so. oh. I'm curious to see how the rest of the season goes. Also, I know they caught some shit because people were complaining because all the queens are performing, we'll say, within England. Because one of them is from Poland originally. One of them is actually from Atlanta, but she moved to the UK for university and stayed there. But there's no queens from Scotland, Northern Ireland, Mm. or Wales. So it's like, we're calling it Drag Race UK, but it's not really UK. It's Drag Race London, England. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. I think I'm more interested in the drama around this season than the actual season itself so far, but I'm (laughs) hoping they'll turn it around for me. 
couple episodes, I talked about the big nailed it baking challenge. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I made it one or two episodes and then I started watching alone. And so I put alone on pause for this show. I have all but one episode left. And honestly, like Chris, it's super fun. I think Is you it? might like this one. Oh, it's, cool. It doesn't feel quite as gentle as mm. the Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off. Oh, I miss but that. But like, it's not, it's not mean at all. It's just like the vibe is a little more fun and American and and less like twee and in the countryside (laughs) that that one has. And I think one of my favorite moments, I can't remember how many episodes in, but Jacques takes a bite of cake and he goes, Nicole, the cake is good. That never (laughs) happens here. (laughs) And it's true because they go for, so I'm actually partway through the final episode now. But these people went from they were all terrible bakers at the beginning to now would, you know, we hire all of the the finalists to do like, say, a gorgeous wedding cake? Possibly not. But like <laughs> they make cakes that taste really good and they look pretty OK. So it's been really cool to see the progress from because also with like Great British Bake Off, it's these people are excellent bakers. Can they go mm-hmm. from excellent to phenomenal? Yeah, exactly. Phenomenal, professional, like whatever. Mm -hmm. This is more of a going from interested in baking to being an extremely competent baker. Yeah. Ah, Wow. Okay. People who can be proud of their cakes. So I think that's really cool. And I love that they, because one of the other things they did that's different than I've seen in any other show, because they know they need to teach these people, they Mm -hmm. have these two experts that are there to guide them on okay this is the technique that you're learning this mm-hmm. week so each that's week cool. they learn yeah. a new skill yeah is so I, cool. I think that's with everybody i think if you have a big enough kitchen big enough counter space and the time mm-hmm. uh, and even just a general interest in baking i think yeah. you can do it it's not like baking isn't that hard mm-hmm. like if i can bake ooh, then you know <laughs> that you know if i can make a cake and make it look mm-hmm. good i mean uh, it's just a matter of taking the time to learn new techniques. Like you said, if I had somebody yes. there, yeah, I could probably put out a pretty good birthday cake. Yeah, I think so. Because I'm kind of a perfectionist. Like if I have to make a birthday cake or if I'm asked to make a birthday cake, mm-hmm. like I know how to make it straight. I know how to do the, you know, the layers. I know how to do the mm-hmm. frosting. I know how to do all that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a learning thing. You know, it's like I made yeah. myself covid I was very sad because my birthday was in May of 2020 and like everything was shut down then. So I was very sad. So I made myself rainbow cupcakes (laughs) and they didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. But as soon as I, as soon as I made them, I knew exactly what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. So I feel like just time and space, you know, and and just a general interest. I think anybody can really rock the shit out of anything if they just had the time and space. I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, having such an emphasis on, learning versus proving what you've already learned previously mm-hmm. is something that was really cool and i love that in a lot of the episodes when the experts are teaching them a technique like there's times where nicole says hey i want to do it too and so they bring over so like nicole and jock <laughs> cool. will do yeah. <laughs> and like he'll be kind of guiding her and the nice. second last episode is the chocolate episode and so Jacques torres who is so I probably should back up for the people that aren't familiar with nailed it 
Jacques Torres and Nicole Byer are like Nicole's the host and he's the judge basically, mm-hmm. but they kind of both host and they kind of both judge. <laughs> um, and they have been all along. And I love that they've kept them together because their chemistry is it's actually really good at this point. I don't think I would have guessed that like a stand-up comedian with an excellent chef would be <laughs> right. The pairing. <laughs> Chat GPT, write us that wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious. Right? And I don't mean, I do not want the Nicole Byer, Jacques Torres romance. I mean, take those two types. and Make them queer. Make them queer. That's right. But I loved that in that episode, because Jacques Torres is a chocolate, like, expert. Yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you. He's a chocolatier, which means chocolate (laughs) expert. He did the, he taught the technique in that one. So Mm. actually... These people got to learn from literally a world-class chocolatier and the experts were doing it as well. Like it, it was this masterclass in a technique. Oh, cool. Yeah. I would totally the, jump in. <laughs> right. Cause the experts were like, oh my God, this was hard. They're like, yeah, we're going to learn from him too. And it was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So I think I love that show. If it, if there were any queer if I knew for sure that any of the contestants were queer, it probably would have been an actual recommendation for me, mm-hmm. but like the the bonds they form are so sweet oh that's Um, nice yeah like there's a really great camaraderie in the cast as it goes along like less Mm -hmm. so up front but as they get to know each other it's great you can tell that all the people working on it have really grown to care about each other and the emphasis of progress over perfection is so wonderful to have in a competitive reality show so mm-hmm. i really love it and it's down to three and i kind of don't care who wins <laughs> like that's sweet yeah i like that i yeah, like it when it when a show does that where you don't care who wins because yes. you love them all yes yeah. it's oh, wonderful good. and then i read so we talked to Lawrence lindell in a recent bonus episode author of blackword which you know i've been banging on about all over the place because i love it so much if you haven't listened to that episode where I talk about how much I love it or listen to the episode where we interview him, where I also tell him how much I love it. <laughs> um, check those out. But he said that he was, at, so when we interviewed him, he was actually at some kind of a comic expo or, mm-hmm. or conference or something like that. Um, and he said he wanted to check out Mimosa by Archie Bongiovanni. So I checked out Mimosa by Archie mm. Bongiovanni. I read it yesterday. and. I think I'm honestly still processing how I feel about it. Mm. So it's about these four friends. They're they're all queer. They've been in this friend group for a decade. They used to work together at a restaurant. And you know, you know the way how like when you're young or younger, oh, yeah. working in those kinds of like high stress situations and you form these bonds and you stay friends long past working there. And so we have Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember all the character names and I don't have the book next to me. <laughs> so we have Chris, who is non-binary and a single parent after, you know, getting divorced in such a spectacular fashion that mm. Chris lost most of their friend group. Ugh. That isn't like anyone that's not a part of this friend's group. Chris really isn't friends with anymore because of the way the divorce went down. There's Alex, who is a trans man, and he is an artist. There's Joe, who is a trans woman. Her main passion is actually running this queer rock camp for kids. Mm, um, cool. 
And sorry, when I say kids, I think I mean more like teenagers, not like teeny tiny kids. <laughs> but I mean, I'm middle-aged. I, I think everybody's a kid at this point. I, know, I call uh, everybody kids. <laughs> right. And then there's the other one. Fuck, what's her name? Anyway, I'm sorry, but there's the other one whose name I cannot <laughs> presently remember. But she's a cisgender lesbian who has a crush on her boss and also is hoping to get a promotion. And so it's kind of like these four adults being messy. Like what happens when queer adults are are messy in friendships and mm -hmm. can they make it? Can they not? And a lot of it centers around Chris, the one who's kind of been divorced, is having a hard time meeting somebody new. And like, it's hard because when you you know, going to the the queer clubs, it's all these really young people. Chris mm -hmm. is turning 40. Chris doesn't want to be with somebody who's 20 or 20, I suppose. No, I'm thinking in Canadian bar terms, um, at least 21, we'll say yeah. from the US. <laughs> but like, you know, these these kids basically that are that are at the clubs and it's not working and wants to meet somebody. And so Alex is like, well, what if we put on a dance party for older queers? Like, what if we did that? And so they do. And so that's kind of the backdrop of a lot of what's happening is, is setting up these queer dance parties. They call it grind. I think some of the dialogue is really fun. I think the characters are interesting and nuanced, but I think if you like stories that end in a way that are neat and tidy, this is probably not going to be the book mm. for you. I think for people who are okay with just like really messy stories that don't have sorry it's not that the story is messy if you are okay with stories about really messy people and where things don't resolve neatly at the end and then you're left kind of thinking about it and talking to people around you and saying like i need to talk about this because i don't know how i feel about it <laughs> this is the book for you because i know there are people who like that and there are people that yeah. hate that and so i think it's gonna be an extremely polarizing book and i think that's okay and i think even the fact that like I'm having to hold myself back from saying a lot right now because I want to get into the guts of it, but I don't want to spoil anything. And you also haven't read it. So I know you, right. you love me. So you would let me do right. it. But also, <laughs> let's not do that. But if anybody does read it and wants to talk about it, <laughs> reach out to me, email podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Let's talk about this graphic novel. Chris. Yes. What is your official recommendation? This Yay. Week? Okay, so my official recommendation is a documentary on Netflix from 2017, and it's called Gaga, Five Foot Two. She's just got a flex about how tall she is. Right, she? I was going to say, like, towers over you, just Rude. an FYI. Right. <laughs> it documents the events around the production and release of Gaga's fifth studio album, Joanne, and her performance at Super Bowl 51. So music and football, and I'm in. Because like, why wouldn't I want this, right? Hell yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start off by saying that I know Lady Gaga's music because how can you be queer and not know? Or just paparazzi? how can you be alive and not, <laughs> not know? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, paparazzi, bad romance, poker face, a million mm -hmm. reasons, and of course, our anthem, Born This Way. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know a lot about her personal life. I really didn't. I really wasn't interested in knowing. I mean, the only thing that really you know, yes, I love her music. It's not like I need to go buy the music and stuff. It's like when I'd hear it, I'd be like, oh, that's a cool song. Who sings that? Oh, of course Lady Gaga does. You know, it's it's one of those where I like more songs than I realize that I like. 
Mm-hmm. It's that kind of a deal. And of course, we all like A Star is Born was an amazing movie. And we all wanted to know if like she was hooking up with Bradley Cooper. I mean, for those who watched the movie. And oh, did yeah. you watch it? There was a, you watch it? No, I've seen. Oh, I have Come seen. On. I knew what it was about is my problem. Because that's a movie that's been made. Isn't that like the fourth oh, yeah. or fifth it's version been, of it? It has so, been. If you want a sense of what kind of childhood I had, I think when I was about 12, my mom showed me the version with Barbara Streisand oh, and Chris yes. Christopherson. <laughs> well, you know, it's always nice to see like remakes only because can they do can they do better? Can they improve on it? And, yeah. you know, it's hard when you have Barbara Streisand singing. But, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lady Gaga kills this this movie. This movie, like, uh, yeah. it was so good. I made my mom watch it. My mom hates musicals. And I also found out in this documentary that her goal when she was a teenager was acting. Really? I I had no idea. Like she, she goes, there's a scene where she's at her grandma's and there's a picture. She's like headshot acting headshot. And it's just, you know, Mm. it's actually, it's a really interesting photo because it looks like it's from 1970s. The headshot looks like it's from 1970s, you know, and she's, she's a baby, you know, she's real young. And I really, I did not know about the acting part. I thought she was like a musician turned actor, like the Madonna and Whitney Houston, you know, who are absolutely horrible in their acting. Sorry, hey. League of Their Owns was good, but I mean, hey, I know. When I, I was know. a kid, <laughs> I loved, and I will never, I don't think I can watch this again. Right. But Dick Tracy. When I was, oh, yes. Also, I did not understand at the time why I was so drawn to Madonna in that movie, which as an adult, I'm like, <laughs> You got a crush, dumbass. Right. Uh, no, but that's a good poll that I forgot about. Who's that girl? Which uh, is a romantic that comedy awful. that she was in. That was awful. Which is why I need to leave it in the past because I thought right. it was amazing when no. I was 10. Desperately Seeking Susan. I don't think I saw that one. Desperately Seeking Susan. The name is familiar. Rosanna Arquette. She falls and hits her head or something and she wakes up thinking she's Susan. Madonna. Oh some yeah so madonna's not a great actress either yeah (laughs) none of the none of the movies held up so and then witty houston in the bodyguard oh my goodness so bad best soundtrack for the worst movie oh my gosh for sure like yeah that was horrible acting horrible not even a question Mm -mm. so lady gaga over the years she has either identified as bisexual or has said she's an ally and there's some controversy there so you have to look that up that sounds kind of similar to what yeah. happened with Sinead O'Connor, too. Right. Wasn't yes, she like very that? similar. Yeah, very similar. Yes, yes, yes. She was. Okay. She started off like, I'm 75% lesbian, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, maybe 25% lesbian. So it was like a deal. I mean, so we're Lady all a little bit gay, baby. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> we're all on the spectrum. So I want to talk about several things I learned about Lady Gaga that I didn't know, and that people who are like me, who like are familiar with her music and like her music... This is something that I did not know. And it really helps understand her and appreciate her more as an artist and just as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because you think Lady Gaga, you think, oh, this massive like showboat type person, you know, always wants the attention, uh, does yeah. things like for attention. Because like you and I talked yeah. a little bit about the meat dress and where that came yes. from, from 2010. So but like that's yeah. a whole different topic. So here's the thing. She struggles with fibromyalgia. She has chronic pain. Oh, really? Yeah. And she broke her hip. I, I don't know how she was. What? 27. She broke her hip. So she has chronic Holy pain. She shit. broke her hip. 
She has all these people who have to work on her daily, massage, uh, massage her, like fix her. And she's like, I am fortunate because I have the money to pay for, for this. But she yes. goes, for all the people who struggle with this, you know, they don't have the same comfort, like level of comfort that I can get, you know, and it's just, it's so sad to see, you know, she, mm-hmm. she cries a lot. I mean, I'm not going to lie. She cries a lot and she cries a lot for different reasons. One, she's mm-hmm. in a lot of pain all the time. What is she going to be like in 20 and 30 years from now? Like my body aches. And I know it's because I played sports for so many years yeah. of my life. And now I'm like, I get off the couch and I'm walking like I'm 90. So, well, I and, mean, and her performances are incredibly physical. Yeah. That's and where it's interesting because I mean, you're, so you're seeing her talk about this in that documentary and it was, okay. So like six years ago that it came out. Mm-hmm. um so she was probably around 30 at that time she was or... born in 86 so uh th- almost 30 yes. yeah 30 yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. it might have been filmed kind of around that time and i i think what's interesting is that what you're seeing is yeah she has a super intensive physical requirements mm-hmm. for her career mm-hmm could you imagine if she was just like somebody who had to work a regular job and yeah. didn't have access to the world's right. best doctors or could have like a team of professionals, presumably, who can help her keep her body in good enough shape that right. she can pursue the career that she wants. And and that was one thing she cried about. She was like, I just mm-hmm. don't understand. Like, how do pe- how can people survive this without yeah. all this extra care that, you know, she's getting that she's She's very emotional. Like she met a fan. Mm -hmm. This one fan was crying and thought that they were, this fan just thought that they were going to record a message for Lady Gaga, but it was one of those like secret sneak, sneak up from behind type things. And, and Lady Gaga was just, she cries, like people just love her music. And, and I guess like her fan base knows how emotional she is about them and how fierce she is about them. And Mm -hmm. definitely like you could see that. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You can see that. And I appreciated that because like I said, when you see her on all these shows or like, or you see her like red carpet, she's always like nose in the air type thing. Look at my outfit that I have. That's so Mm -hmm. extravagant and like focus on the outfit, not on me type thing. So that was, that was very genuine to see. Mm -hmm. And that kind of surprised me. And there's another scene, you know, she's very close with her family. Like, it's so funny, like the whole documentary opens and she's like, cooking eggs or something or chicken on the yeah. stove you know she's like wearing sweatpants no makeup she's just a normal person like yeah. like i would go hang with her for brunch you know it's one of those yeah. where her what are you fixing for brunch i'll bring like the mimosas or something she yeah. was very down to earth and she has a bunch of dogs why they weren't sleeping with her in the bed i don't know they were at a different room and that kind of surprised me because you know my dogs get that yeah all of my what dogs in the history what if it's because she has fibromyalgia and she needs that's to true and, and five <laughs> dogs would means no sleeping <laughs> well okay <laughs> yes that's probably true <laughs> but she, she's she goes to her grandmother's house so okay mm. let's backstory her fifth album is joanne and mm. that was named for her aunt who passed away when her aunt was 19 like her mm. aunt died as a teenager from lupus complications from lupus yeah and oh, so at no. 19, yeah. So so she she wrote this song and she played it for her grandmother. So it would have been her grandmother's daughter, you know. 
and then dedicated the whole album to that. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to get people who are just big dicks about everything. Like, yeah, like, oh, she did it for money or, you know, she did it for attention or whatever the deal was. But, uh, oh, look, you're pulling it up. I mm-hmm. am because I want to see if there are any famous songs. on. Yes, it. there are million reasons. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. the big one that I'm aware of that I that I was like, oh, yeah, that song. I know that one. Mm-hmm. So she plays a song for her grandmother. It's kind of a touching scene. And I want to say that it was really cool to find out that she was engaged to an actor in a show that at some point I'm going to recommend for the show. Let's talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. They don't Mm -hmm. actually show it in the documentary. They show before she goes on stage and then the after effects, like (sighs) hugging and crying. It's really sweet. So you don't actually see the show. So, so they you either see. couldn't get the rights or the right. or the rights were way too expensive. Well, it's all over YouTube now. So, um, oh, okay. So if you're if you watch the documentary and you want to see what the uh, performance is like, YouTube it. And let me okay. tell you, like, you know, it used to be maybe 10 years ago, the Super Bowl halftime show was nothing. It was always kind of like has-beens sort of in a way. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that, but mm-hmm. it was never like new, fresh, exciting, you know? Um, and then Lady Gaga gets this gig and she is beyond excited to do this. Like, she's like, there's going to be a hundred million people watching us. Like we have mm-hmm. to get this right. And she's like, and it's funny because you can tell her anxiety was like, out of 10 because she's like i can't this material i can't have this material on me because it it clashes with the other material against my skin and it just you know she's like very sensory overload like Mm -hmm. at that point you know because it's so stressful it was funny because i remember watching it i remember seeing it because my parents were there like we had this big super bowl party somewhere i don't know if it was here at my sister's house so she starts seeing you know she sings whatever she sings i don't remember what she does at the beginning and then she like jumps and she like not really skydive she's on like wires and she comes down mm-hmm. and my parents are like what the actual fuck like why why can't she just sit on a stage and sing you know why does it have to be all this like her looping flying around it was really it was it was actually a very good halftime show and nailed it no problems that i could tell uh mm-hmm. very very good um and it was just cool that she was really encouraging to her dancers like hey let's let's have fun Let's remember that, you know, we're here for fun, but also this is your time. Like everybody's going to be watching. This is your time to get it right and, Mm -hmm. and just do your part and blah, blah, blah. So it's very encouraging to hear that, you know, that she, and she also is telling people like also on the flip side, like, don't fuck this up for me because this is really big and it's not on you. It's on me. Like if the lighting doesn't work, that's on me. That's not on you. So she made sure like everybody was in line and getting it right and good for her. So Mm -hmm. Basically, like what this is, if you like Aga's music, but you're like me and you don't know much about her, like watch this documentary. It'll it'll give you insight to the person behind the personas that you see, like in, you know, on the internet or I what is that show, TMZ or mm-hmm. anything entertainment tonight. Like if you want to get to know a little bit about what she's like, then you know, take an hour and a half and watch this documentary. That's cool. Yeah. So, I think I will. I like I think her. You should. I- I think I'm similar to you in that I like her and I've always liked a lot of her music, but it was kind of like growing up with Madonna. Right. Or it's much, like yeah. growing up with any of the, where it's like, yeah, I like this music, but like, I'm not necessarily obsessed with them. I haven't dove into their backstory. And I mean, 
that was me with George Michael, right? Like I was aware of, of the <laughs> right. five songs that I was aware of. But then I only listened to George Michael for the month following watching that documentary. Right. So. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, to be fair, like I grew up a huge Madonna fan, like massive mm-hmm. Madonna fan. So when Lady Gaga came on scene, you know, and she wore the meat dress, I was like, oh, she reminds me a lot of Madonna. Like very shocking, like the mm-hmm. shock value of, of I'm an artist. Look at what I'm doing. You can't, you know, censor me. You can't stifle me type thing. And so Madonna was very good at that. And I felt like Lady Gaga was kind of like in her footsteps type thing. And so they mm-hmm. kind of have a little history. So, and yeah. she sort of kind of talks about it in the documentary as well. So that was kind of like, wow. Mm-hmm. I was right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, okay. So what about you? What is your official recommendation this time? All right. So as I said, we talked to Lawrence Lindell recently. And at the end of that episode, as we do kind of whenever we interview anybody, we ask, you know, what books do you, or what queer media do you recommend? And it turns out that I am recommending the same thing that Lawrence recommended, Ah. which is the graphic novel Bingo Love. It's by, so T. Franklin is the author, Jen St. Ange is the artist, and it's about Mary and Elle. So Elle is the one who is telling the story. This is a, a story that has a framing narrative. I think that's what it's called. I hope all my former English professors will forgive me if I I didn't say that exactly right. But the idea is that in a framing narrative, there's the main story, but it's someone, it starts with like, oh, there's this one character who is telling the other character the story. And then you dive into the story. And so Mm -hmm. probably one of the most famous examples and also hated by high schoolers or Mm -hmm. university students everywhere is Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Is oh, like yeah. That. that book, as an aside, I had to read it in grade 11, which like, who the <laughs> fuck assigns that right. to 16-year-olds? <laughs> um, I read it in college, I think. <laughs> and I like, I was so keen that, say if I had to do a book report and they would give us five options, I would read all five books. Or I would read at least three <laughs> of, of the books, <laughs> but I would write a report on one of them. Right. And You would write a report on all three of them. Stop it. <laughs> No, I would do all the reading, but I would only do the writing that I had to. <laughs> but no, that's as an adult, I would do that. Um, no. So for that book, though, I had such a hard time understanding what was being said. And like, I was a pretty smart kid. It was just this book was so hard mm-hmm. uh, that I tried reading the Coles notes for it, which Coles notes for the people who are young, or I don't even know if they had them in the U.S. They were sold at Kohl's bookstores. And it was basically mm. a synopsis of a book. So you could pay for someone to tell you what a book oh, yeah. was about. <laughs> and I even got the Kohl's notes for that one, which I never did. Because I always did the reading. And I didn't <laughs> understand the Kohl's notes either. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so since then, my feelings have mainly been, fuck Heart of Darkness. <laughs> fuck that book. This is much better than that, though. And so the story begins with a panel where somebody is saying, like, Elle, can I stay with you? My parents have kicked me out Mm. for loving another girl. And she's like, well, yeah, let me tell you my story. And so she's she's telling this person her story about the love of her life. And the love of her life is Mary. And they met at so they're they're both black girls. They were 13 at the time they met at the bingo that was happening at the church hall they were each there with their grandmothers 
Mary was new to town. She was sent to uh, stay with her grandmother and they were kind of introduced like maybe you'll get along and they do. So for for Elle, it's love at first sight and she's afraid to say anything. And so mm-hmm. they're just best friends. They are each other's person. They they spend all their time together. And a few years later, there it turns out that they're actually in love with each other. And these feel these true feelings come out. And it's this like beautiful, exciting. I mean, for Elle to find out that her love was in fact not unrequited, mm-hmm. but that, you know, Mary is in love back with her was so wonderful. But Mary's grandmother catches them kissing. Oh. And it's the 1960s. Oh, and we're just practicing, Grandma, right, Nana? So they're kind of split up, and Elle's parents put this kind of fairly nice young man from—I can't remember if he was Air Force or military—and she marries him the following year. Elle is bisexual, but it's you know they so they each marry men. They have kids. Fifty years later, wow. Elle goes to the Mother's Day bingo at that same church hall, and Mary is there mm. and kisses her. Stop it. Like, kiss, kiss, or just like, I mm-hmm. missed you? Oh, a kiss, kiss. Uh huh. Oh. And Elle's daughter is there. <laughs> oh. She probably doesn't care at this point. And... 50 years later. <laughs> well, here's the thing it's a second chance romance. Mm. And so it's kind of the, like, how do they have this second chapter together? And I mean, on the back, it's very clear that, like, they have their other lives, but they have this chance again. So I don't think it's that big of a spoiler to say they split up with their husbands and they end up together. And it's just really lovely. So I, there were a bunch of things that I really liked about it. I thought the art was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. The colors are really vibrant. It feels very, very comic booky. Oh. And I really liked Mary and Elle's characters. They're both strong-willed in their own ways. They're both these really, like, kind of wonderful, effervescent kind of characters. Except, you know, Elle not being that happy in her marriage. Like, she's happy Mm -hmm. enough. Her husband is a good man. They have kind of this wonderful family together. But... I mean, I'm sure we all have friends like this, but you know, like the friend who they're married and you can tell like, she's okay, but she could be happier. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of one of those situations. And so seeing who they become together is so wonderful. And so when it cuts back to kind of the other side of the frame, because of course it's Elle telling this story to someone else, Mm. what the quote unquote present day of this story is 2038. And so keeping in mind that this was first published in 2018. Mm -hmm. So it's projecting. Yeah. Like it's guessing, okay, where could technology go 20 years in the future that's probably a little bit out of reach but kind of like believable enough that in way in AI. i can't figure out how to do this without spoiling it but it, there's just like a really cool thing that's done there that works really really well mm. and in a way because of that it reminded me of did you ever watch what is it called black mirror oh my god Okay, so there's one episode. I've only seen one episode, and it's the only one. And I, I actually would recommend it. But no, it's called, it's called San Junipero. No, no, no. It's the gay one. It's the lesbian episode. Oh, okay. 
Can I tell so, you a story about that? Yes. Black Mirror. Can I tell yes. you a story? Did you I'm, watch the pig I, fucking episode? Fuck Georgia Beers for that. Like she <laughs> recommended it for me. And I'm like, cause I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't have anything to watch. What do you think? This was, I don't know how long ago it was. And she's like, yeah, watch Black Mirror. It's really, really good. Like I didn't get through this, the whole episode. I'm calling her. I'm like, what the fuck did you have me watch? Like, hey, yes, that find- very first episode like messed me up. And I like, every time I see it, I like, I like can't get past Like every time I like see it right. up on the queue, I'm like, no. So find the episode called San Junipero. It is not like that at all. I'm coming Um, for you if it is. It has, no, no, it has a sapphic love story in it. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful, but it has that kind of, oh, okay, this is where technology could go. But most of the story looks like a 1980s kind of situation. So it sort of- give it a try. It reminds me of that in that that little sense. Um, And, but there is a twist- kind of around there that when I realized what was happening, I started to cry. It was just, it was really lovely. Um, So I think for me in terms of like a wish list, we'll Mm -hmm. say, because I do think it's a good story. I think there's something very special about showing a love story with older women Mm -hmm. and especially older black women. Like it's just, not something I've seen very often. There was like one short story I read once that Rebecca Weatherspoon wrote that I fucking wish she would have turned into a full length novel, but it would have been more of a women's fiction. I think Chris, you had your hand up. I did. I have a question about the, the, so how old are they at the end? Because if it's like 38, 2038, but this takes place in 1963 and they were 13, that makes them 88. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's much older. Okay. So when they get back together, they're 65. So they have a little over 20 years. Okay. Okay, I'm following now. Before gotcha. it gets to this part. Yeah. Okay. Because right, um, I was like, how is this working in my head? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know. I did the same thing. And thankfully, this is one of the things I actually really appreciate about it is that like it will it will actually put like what year it is at different points within oh, the story nice. so that yeah. you can follow. I actually wish it went into more detail. I feel mm-hmm. like the story could have had a little more room to breathe. It is quite short. There's some like very large time jumps and there were some times where it felt like I was being told than rather shown certain things. Oh, yeah. Whether it was in their relationship together, Elle's marriage to James, kind of whatever. But I also think that the reason why I made such a big deal about it being a framed narrative is that I also think that's where you can get away with something like that. Because it is Elle telling a story to another individual person, you can read it in the amount of time that it would make sense for her to have this conversation. And to tell all of these details. And I think, you know, as much as I, as a reader and a critic, want that more detail, I want to be shown, I want to kind of luxuriate in in relationship developments. I also recognize that that's not how individuals tell stories. And so I think that what we get, I I think this is where like my one complaint might actually be a strength (laughs) in that I think it pretty accurately reflects the way she would tell her story to that person 
in that way at that time. I actually think it is enough if we are to take what is this story that she would tell. That is the story. Mm. I'm just greedy. I want more. (laughs) You want more. (laughs) So it turns out that I read the original version because when Lawrence said, was talking about Bingo Love and how it was so inspiring to him and he realized, oh, I can make comments like this or I can make comics like this. It turns out that we had the original edition, which as you're reading through, it gets to a point. So when she, when Elle is telling her husband that they need to to split up, we find out that he has a secret too Ooh. that he's been keeping from her Sick from when family. he was like off on deployment early mm. in their marriage. And then there's this little note in there that's like, if you want to know more, find Bingo Love Secrets by this other dude. And I was like, <laughs> I want to know more. What? And then I just yes. find it. You can't find it as a standalone, but you can get Bingo Love, the jackpot edition, which has a number of other stories set in this world, including there's one that Gail Simone did, which I'm very excited about because she's an awesome, awesome, awesome comic writer. She's also my favorite follow on Twitter because when Gail Simone decides she's going to stir the pot and make comic nerds mad it's the funniest thing that you'll find it's belligerent it's hilarious so finding out that she was a part of this i was so excited so i actually went ahead because i read this yesterday and i immediately ordered that next one because not only do i want to know but my youngest also wants to know so here is my note you can absolutely give this to a kid to read they say it's rated for teens Again, if you have a precocious kid in your life, that is not going to be a problem. There's no sex. There's no violence. There is absolutely homophobia, which is not surprising, given that, again, like 1960s split up by their parents. I don't even think the homophobia is. Let's say it could have been a lot worse. They Hmm. could have been depicted in a way that was way, way, way worse than what they did. It was just enough to show that they were never going to be allowed to be together at the time. It wasn't so much so to be painful. There's no physical violence. There's not even that much saying anything. Um, So kids can read it. But make sure you read it first if you don't want to be spoiled. Because kids are really Uh, bad at that. And my kid read it before I did. She's and she's like, "Can I just uh, tell you this one thing?" And I'd be like, and no. like "No." And then she would tell me anyway. And so <laughs> a bunch of it, I sort of knew. Thankfully, she did not tell me about the twist, which I think is why I still ended up crying when I read it because I didn't Aww. know it was coming. I thought I already knew everything was going to happen. Then it was like, "Hey, guess Surprise. what?" Punch in the face. <laughs> yeah, love that. But like, she wants to know because before I had a chance to read, she was like. We need to find James's. What's James's secret? I was like, what are you talking about? I need to know James's secret. What are we talking about? Bingo love. James has a secret. I was like, okay, we'll try to find it. So she is also excited to read it when it arrives tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we will know James's secret together. So yes. Let me know. I will. So for people, if you like, uh, if you like comic books or graphic novels, um, if you want to see older black women falling in love, because good luck finding this in right. many other places, there's something really special, I think, about it. And even if you have, you might have an experience like me where you find that you just want a little more, but I still think it's worthwhile. And I think it's an important contribution to the world of sapphic literature because it's doing something so different. Like, I just haven't quite seen it before. So 
Thank you, Lawrence, for yes. pointing that out and reminding me to read this thing that I should have read a long time ago because it's really, it's really beautiful. And also, like, one of them is fat, which I fucking love. Again, how much fat representation do we see in sapphic fiction? Not, Not a whole a lot. lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm into it. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you've enjoyed the show, you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, if you have a friend that you think would like it, please tell them about it. If you want to support us, we have links in our show notes to our coffee and the newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that too. Or you can just search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. send you a picture of it right now <laughs> all right oh my god this is amazing so and what you're saying is you could be on yes own. i i actually could i'm a survivalist not really but here hang on let me send you this picture it's pretty hilarious uh da, da, da. i'm opening my whatsapp i always hate whatsapp because you have to like add pictures it's not it doesn't have access to all of your just your text me pictures then. camera i have us texting oh that's right i forgot about that well, now I'm in. So let me pick it. Where's the picture? Where's the picture? Where's the picture? Now I'm going to text it to you instead. Hold on. This is too good not to share. Sorry, yeah. Neil. You have to do some editing. <laughs> Come on. Message. Tara. It always takes a minute for you to pull. Are you in my iPhone? I don't, I don't show know. you in my iPhone. Why are you send me a send me a message on iPhone through message? What? You definitely have texted me before. Have I? Okay, so you're not showing up. You sent me a farm boy. Oh, that's right, farm boy. <laughs> I wrote down farm boy. Mm -hmm. Okay, cancel. All right, here we go. Let me find you. There's oh. Because you're not in my, I don't have you saved. You're just a phone number. So I need to actually wow. add this. I know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're on my WhatsApp though. <laughs> all right. So let me send you this picture. You're going to be like, first of all, I sent it to a couple of my girlfriends and they're like, how are you so butch in these pictures? So there, it's coming and to you, you. And you said, first of all, rude. Second yeah. of all. <laughs> I know. <laughs>